What's the big idea? Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Volleyballogy Uncensored. My name is Zuby, and today we're bringing you a, a little bit uh, of a different episode today. This one's about um, how to develop confidence, and we wanted to do this in a one-on-one session for players. So uh, rather than the usual format where Eric Meach and myself are sitting around joking around, we wanted to tackle this issue sort of directly to the players. So again, if you're a young player, if you have a young player at home, uh, you might want to have them listen to this episode because uh, we're going to mix these in once in a while. Uh, these episodes are called Player Pep Talks, and they're about 15 to 20 minutes uh, directly to the players. And today's topic, again, is about how to develop that self-confidence. So uh, first off, I uh, just wanted to talk about what confidence is. I mean, um, you know, a lot of people talk about confidence in, uh, in game situations and in life. And uh, it's very difficult to just tell someone to be confident. Uh, you have to really uh, go through a process to, to earn real confidence. It doesn't just happen. You know, uh, a lot of people talk about it and say, come on, be more confident. Uh, but until you go through things, uh, experience success, failures, it's hard to actually develop real confidence. And sometimes, I mean, let's be honest, it takes that time. Uh, the more impatient we become as a society, I think the more we we want things to happen right away. And um, that's a problem. I mean, that's connected with our phones. That's connected with, you know, uh, how we live, how we eat, fast food, instant gratification. So I think there's a real problem. And sometimes parents and coaches watching players who struggle with confidence uh, uh, fall victim to that impatience. Um, but again, so what is confidence? So confidence to me and really to anything, uh, to anybody would be, Someone who has the ability uh, to shake things off, get over things, and really believe in themselves, right? Um, and there's different types of confidence. There's you can have confidence. You ever have a you ever have confidence with one group of friends or one group of you know, maybe playing with a certain team? You play really well, or with a certain group of friends, you're totally at home and totally comfortable. And with a different group, you uh, you aren't, and you're totally different. You play horribly, or you. Uh, you even can't be yourself in a social setting with that group. That's situational confidence, right? Like you have confidence in certain situations, not others. Uh, and, and the idea is, I mean, you know, situational confidence is very useful, right? Uh, in volleyball, I think we can see it all the time. Certain setters, certain teammates, certain coaches bring out the best in us. And then other times we just can't function with other groups of people. And sometimes we cling back or run back to those safety zones, which is, which is sometimes necessary, but it's also very important to go into those uncomfortable situations, and we're going to talk about why uh, later on. Um, and then the, the, the confidence I think that we really want to develop, though, is something uh, often referred to by psychologists as core confidence, right? And as a teacher, professional player, coach, and uh, you know, entrepreneur for, for over 20 years, 30, you know, lifelong entrepreneur and lifelong volleyball player, really, um, core confidence is something that comes through accomplishment, but also through failure, putting yourself in hard situations, coming through okay, no matter what, like even if you do well or you don't do well, and then remembering that uh, as you go forward. So it's very important for young people to understand this because, you know, so often we see failure as bad and we we over-celebrate successes and we over-dramatize failure uh, when they're both beneficial, you know. Um, I think that, you know, the idea of confidence... um, it's something that our society praises so much that for young people, they look at people who are confident 
and they mistake it with arrogance, right? Arrogance is fake confidence. Arrogance is rude. Arrogance is uh, mean. It's demeaning. Uh, confident people don't do that, right? I can remember I, I coached uh, a lot of athletes in my lifetime, and I remember one time I was coaching a very young boys team, and there was a grade nine boy who was kind of nerdy, and all the other kids kind of teased him and made fun of him. He was short, but he never cared about trying to look cool. And it was later on that I found out he was a black belt in martial arts, and it it sort of dawned on me. This is like. I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, that, you know, that's when you realize that, well, the confidence that he had from the martial arts uh, made him not need to be running around, uh, being loud. He was just himself because he had true confidence, right? Whereas arrogance is, is those nasty players, you know, they're, they're mean, they demean others, they put others down to build themselves up. That's a sure sign of insecurity. So the goal in, with core confidence is you want to be someone who's even keeled, um, not dependent on uh, the opinions of others. Um, and it's very tough to get to. Like I said, like we, part of us, like we all need to be patient in how we get there. Uh, and, you know, p- parents, coaches, if you're listening, and even pl- especially players yourselves, you have to be very patient with yourself. Because once you're patient with yourself, then you stop holding yourself to a crazy high standard. And that's part of the problem. That's how we lose confidence. We set a goal very high, maybe unrealistically. And then uh, when we can't reach it, we beat ourselves up. So that's something to keep in mind too. Um, Like I said, you can't um, fake confidence, right? Fake confidence definitely is arrogance. Um, And and one of the problems with telling people to just be confident too is there is a, you know, some people disagree. Some people think that confidence is born, like you're born confident. Other people think that you can develop confidence. I think it's safe to say that, you know, and parents and coaches, you'll recognize this, and maybe you should impart this to your players that, you know, our personalities do change over time, right? I know as a very different person, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago than I am today. Um, and I think confidence is definitely 100% something that will grow. You don't, I mean, I think there's something interesting about children. Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Children tend to be very confident, but that's because they don't have the self-consciousness yet. You know, people are very self-conscious. Once you develop the idea of what's cool and what's not cool, that's when uh, young people lose their confidence and they start to worry about what everybody else is thinking. Young kids, you ever watch them play? They're free, running around all the time, not not caring what people think. And it's very sad. Uh, parents might relate to this. Coaches might relate to this. It's kind of sad to see kids grow into that a- age where they start to worry about what people are thinking and how they're acting. Um, and they stop being themselves. Parents often see this. But hopefully, hopefully, you know, if you're raising a confident child, they uh, they never lose that fear. And they uh, never lose that freedom, I should say. Uh, never gain that fear. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so it's definitely not genetic. It's something you can develop over time. It does take time. And like I said, it only comes through accomplishing and facing scary things. You know, wh- whenever you have a, a something in front of you that's a scary thing to do or something you don't want to do, there's something nice about being forced to do it, you know, because what happens is whether you succeed or fail, the fact that you do it, the confidence comes from there. You, you tell yourself that, you know, I was brave there. Um, so that's very important. Uh, sometimes if you're not feeling well and it's game time or you're not feeling confident, there's something beautiful about going out there and giving it your all or losing the fear or telling yourself that it doesn't matter what happens, the results. I'm just going to play loose and I'm going to play with no fear. And what happens from that is a definite confidence. I've told this to athletes several times when they're struggling with playing time because that's the number one time when you know your confidence goes down when you're not playing. And uh, I've told players before, go into practice and just 
you know, you're not getting playing time anyway. So why don't you just swing as hard as you can, serve as hard as you can, uh, move as fast as you can, go all out because you're not getting playing time anyway. So just take that freedom and just go, just go. And then what happens is the player plays much better because they lose that self-consciousness. And then what happens is they get more confident and then they start to learn the beautiful thing and the most valuable thing is sometimes to develop confidence, you sometimes need to care less. You need to understand the perspective of the situation. Every point doesn't matter. Every game doesn't matter. The more you play, the, the less important you view each game and each point. That's something that comes with time. And I can tell you a story about that in my own playing career a little bit later too. Um, also, I, I always like to remind people too that um, you need failure to know what success is, you know? If you never failed at anything, imagine, well, one, what a boring life that would be. Like, honestly, success after success sounds like a wonderful thing, but then you would never experience the joy of success, right? Only failure allows us to feel the joy of success. So don't forget that, that failure, if you had no failure in your your life, you would have no happiness because you would have no sadness to compare it with, if that makes sense. Uh, in our culture, we tend to, we, we live in a, what's called a dualistic society. So, you know, I would teach philosophy for a lot of years and uh, our culture has a very dualistic view of the world. And what that means is we believe in two extremes. So there's good, bad, um, love, hate, happy, sad, uh, and confidence and non-confidence, right? Uh, and we, we tend to view them as two opposites on either side of a wall. It's almost like there's a barrier between the two. And, and that's something interesting, like, you know, uh, something interesting in our society. Like, let's think of good and evil. It's like there's a line drawn between those two ideas. Whereas in other cultures and other philosophies, they see more of like good and evil, or let's go with confidence and non-confidence as more of a, a continuum. So if non-confidence is down here, then that's a line, uh, with ticks on it on the way to confidence rather than on uh, the either side of a wall that keeps them separate. So keep that in mind too, that every step along the way, even if you are not, not confident person or, you know, you struggle with confidence issues on the court right now, it doesn't mean that you're not on the process to developing confidence, right? It's all part of the same line. There is no wall. There is no barrier. So keep that in mind that you are, you know, on your path there. Um, you know, uh, it's uh, it's a journey, right, uh, on that path, not not just a wall that you need to break down or jump over, which is much more daunting, right? Um, so yeah, a, tr- a truly confident person. Also, if you were to describe that, you probably know some people who are confident, not arrogant. And one thing you'll notice that they um, they tend to relish failure. They tend to see r- failure as a challenge. They don't, when they mess up or make a mistake or don't succeed in something or don't achieve something, they tend not to stop and think about the failure and think, I'm never doing that again. They shift their thought into, I want to do that again right away as soon as possible because they want to fix it. So in other words, they see the failure as challenge, not as something to wallow in, something to dwell on. Okay. So that's a very important thing. Um, one thing I find fascinating is that in our culture, we always say the line that we always learn best from mistakes. People learn more from mistakes than they do from success or, you know, uh, but if we keep trying to avoid failure, then that means we're never learning, right? So again, I'll say it again, like we, we say that we learn best from mistakes, but then we spend so much of our time trying to avoid mistakes, which is kind of messed up, right? If we can learn to embrace mistakes, if we can learn that mistakes help us, 
Mistakes make us better. That mistakes are something uh, that can be a challenge. Then that would shift every mistake. Imagine if every mistake you made made you more determined for the next thing. Not not angry, but determined, focused. You know, you could start to start to see that every mistake as or every failure as a positive thing. Uh, think of how beneficial that would be to your mindset in gameplay in life. Um, also, uh, I mean, it's it's tricky because. Um, these days, um, confidence, especially for young people, it, it's a societal issue, really, right? Um, not just for young people, for all of us. I think, the, I think the phones, the technology in our pockets, we are uh, more than ever bound to artificial, uh, you know, images of success, artificial images of reality. I think that the disposable nature of scrolling, you know, or swiping, I think makes us. Um, you know, less realistic about what the world is really like. And it's also, you know, in, in the 80s and 90s, you know, people grew up knowing that their superstar actor or models were airbrushed and touched up. But now you're looking at images of someone who sits next to you in class. And, uh, you know, they are airbrushed and looking, you know, everybody looks like a model now because of the air touch-ups and everything. And everybody's posting workout videos and, you know, portraying life that is not a real life. Uh, this is talked about quite a bit, but I think it's really having an impact on people's confidence, right? Young people being exposed to these images over and over again and adults, it's creating uh, one impatience with process, like we're not patient with taking th- things that take a long time, like developing confidence. But we're also having like, you know, anger or a delusional belief that other people have these things. They don't, right? They're just showing an image. And when you look at that type of image over and over again for four, five, seven, ten 10 hours a day, it's going to mess with your mind. It's going to mess with your confidence. Okay, so keep that in mind too, right? This is a societal issue and it's getting a little worse. Um... And it's probably fueling a lot of the toxic behavior that we see as arrogance, you know, fake confidence. That's sort of what it's fueling because everybody's portraying fake confidence online. So they're bringing that to the real world. And that fake confidence is uh, definitely manifesting as toxic behavior, toxic teammates, toxic coaching, toxic parenting. So uh, you have to be very mindful of what you're taking in, not only when you eat, right? You eat well, you sleep well, you have more confidence, but also what you take in to your body through your eyes, you know, what you're watching, what you're consuming with your mind is also a big, uh, big part of how confidence, uh, you know, is very much connected to confidence. Um, again, I'll say it one more time. You remember how, um, little kids, um, you know, um, little kids have uh, joy and they have confidence when you watch them playing sometimes. And it's kind of fun to watch. Um, and you can notice the ages that kids, you know, what usually starts around the time when they start to go to school, that they can start to lose that and they become self-conscious and worried about what other people think. Um, there is real confidence in joy. Okay. And what I mean by that is, um, having fun in something allows you to be more carefree and carefree in a sense is confidence, right? Because only the people who care less are confident. So having perspective on what this means, this is what a kid has, by the way, a kid doesn't know that, uh, you know, losing at checkers or losing at their, a game 
is a bad thing or playing poorly in a sport is a bad thing. They're just having fun. It's not until the parents or other players or a coach starts telling them that that's bad, that they start to get super self-conscious and super worried and in their heads, right? So keep that in mind that you as a player, a young player, you can actually stop valuing each point and moment so much or putting so much you know weight into every moment that you will start to see that your confidence will go up because mistakes won't matter to you. And when that happens, then the joy goes up as well too. Joy comes from having some freedom in your play. Um, so what? also another great way to keep perspective is to remind yourself, what is the goal of sport? Like is, this, is the goal here to become a pro athlete? Is the goal here to become a pro player? Is the goal here to be a perfect player? The goal of sport is to make you a better person, right? The goal of sport is to teach you life lessons. It's all a metaphor, right? So that's the goal of sport and to have fun, right? And to escape stress. Sports are supposed to help us get away from school, get away from all the things that can stress us out, get away from our job if we have one, get away from a lot of problems we have in daily life. They shouldn't add to them. It's kind of crazy if you think about it, right? We go to play sports as an escape, right? For leisure, for fun. And now we are turning it into, sometimes, you know, in our own heads and letting other people make us turn it into work. It's becoming another task, another chore. That's not what sports are supposed to be. They're supposed to make us better people, teach us life lessons. And somewhere along the way, the ones that find the joy and the balance and work really hard, they're the ones who end up going on to the next level right? Because the other ones who overvalue it or make it like work, they quit, right? So keep that in mind too. Um, Again, uh, parents and coaches in their desire to help, okay? Parents and coaches in their desire to help make things worse by highlighting mistakes. You know, again, you have to remind yourself, young players, so think about this. You know, you have a coach out there who's telling you advice or correcting you, or you have a parent who's correcting you. Now they may not be doing it correctly. Keep in mind, they are just human. They've been raised by other people. They have other genetics. They're doing the best they can, but they might be saying it to you in the wrong way. But if you can understand that what they're trying to tell you is coming from a place of love, right? It's coming from a place of wanting you to succeed, or it may even be coming from a place of damage. Like that coach, that parent may be just talking about themselves. Maybe every mistake you make is really a reflection of maybe some of the failures the parent or the coach has had. You have to understand that, that people are doing the best they can with who they are. And once you understand that, you can kind of forgive them for some mean comments or, you know, overcritical analysis. Don't forget too, parents and coaches sometimes uh, feel like they're out of control, right? <laughs> they're not in control of the situation on the court the way players are. They're like fans at a at a sporting event. They're the more they're more tense in clutch situations than the athletes. The athletes have some control. So those uptight parents, uptight coaches, sometimes their reactions not only are, could it be based on insecurity in themselves, it could be based on just wanting you to fit in so badly. But that again might be a reflection of themselves. It's also rooted in the fact that they don't feel they have control because they're not on the court. So once you remember that, it just helps you understand that, you know, they are trying the best they can and it's coming to you from a place of love. Again, it might not be coming out the right way, but just keep that in mind and it might help diminish your, um, you know, your stress that comes from when you, when you hear those comments or those critiques. So keep that in mind. That's another perspective things. Um, 
this is why, uh, you know, sometimes speaking of coaches wanting kids to succeed, one of the advice things that we often hear when we talk about confidence with coaches and young players is the desire to be loud. There are some coaches that tell you, be loud, but I'm here to tell you that is being fake, right? If you are a person who wants to be loud naturally, and you are, then great, go do that. But if you're not someone who likes to be loud naturally, because remember, personalities are different here, right? Our genetics are different. And maybe our confidence levels are different. Maybe we don't need to be loud. Sometimes, like I talked about with the black belt kid, uh, you don't need to be loud if you're confident, right? Um, And if you are being forced to be loud, okay, and you don't want to be, then, and coaches, you should hear this too, if a player is being forced to be loud when they don't want to be, you're actually ruining their confidence, because you're forcing them and telling them that the way they are is not good. And they're learning to, uh, or they're actually lowering their confidence. They're being fake, right? And that's not the goal with confidence. Confidence, Confident people do what they want because they know their behavior is not connected to something external to them, right? Confident people are internally driven, not externally motivated, Okay, I'll say that again. If you are externally motivated by anything, music, something else, then that means that you're not 100% there. The goal is to be driven internally by pure desire in you, right? So all these external things, like if you need loud noises to get pumped up for a game, then you're not there. And if you get used to that, what are you going to do when it's quiet? going to crash and burn. So it's got to be internal. That's what real confidence is. And confidence is also being yourself. So coaches, don't teach players to be loud for the sake of being loud. Teach them to communicate with each other, but not screaming. That's different. That's fake. Um, Yeah. Um, Oh, one other very important thing that leads to confidence, very vital. The more I played as a young player, uh, the more I knew that if I did little extra things in my spare time or big extra things, when I walked on the court, I felt that much better. I felt that much more confident because I felt that I was doing more than my opponent. Today, everybody's doing everything. They're working out, they're practicing, they're training. So if you can start to mix in little things that you do that are extras, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's a different type of workout, maybe it's extra workouts, maybe it's uh, yoga, maybe anything, um, extra scrimmage time, hitting practice. If you start mixing in anything that you see as additional, it's a mental edge. For, so when you walk out on the court, they might be doing everything you're doing, but you might be able to help yourself understand, like feel more prepared. And I, I always like to uh, tell young players this, think about schoolwork, okay? <laughs> think about the fear you have and the nerves you have when you walk into a classroom when the assignment that's due isn't ready or your homework isn't done. You don't feel like going to that class and you don't even enjoy that class and you're stressed and you're not going to perform very well. You actually kind of sit on the sides and kind of hope nobody sees you. But if you are prepared and you work your butt off the night before on an assignment or a few days before, hopefully, right? You don't want to do it at the last minute. (laughs) But if you do it uh, and get it done, when you show up to class, what do you like? You're confident. You can't wait to go. You want to get it over with. You want to do it. And you're you're answer, putting up your hand. You're answering questions. In other words, your confidence has gone up because you're prepared. So keep that in mind that prepared people, uh, it's one of, the, one of the neat little tricks that the more you prepare, the less stressed you are in the moments. So keep that in mind. A lot of players who are unprepared, they're nervous. You know, they want, and, and sometimes they don't get the playing time. And you ask them, how much work have you put in? You can't get the result without putting in the work. So remember that too, that doing extra work, being prepared is very good for um, your mental state as you, as you start things. So um, 
Okay, another very important one that you need to talk about. So I'm just going to take a drink of water here. All right. Uh, one other very important one I need to understand. You need people to understand. Coaches, uh, adults too, but players, uh, you have to be aware of the fact that you are going to have negative thoughts all the time. Everybody does. One of the worst things that uh, you know players with no confidence or less confidence do is they punish themselves for negative thoughts. Whereas if you understand that they're going to happen uh, from the get-go, then you can start to recognize them and start to classify them as useful or not useful, right? So a negative thought that pops into your head to say, I'm, I'm passing like crap today, or I can't pass, or I, don't, I hope they don't serve me, or man, I'm not hitting well today. If you can catch that and say, oh, that's one of those negative thoughts, right? First of all, they're unoriginal. Every player in the history of the world has had those thoughts, Okay. So they're just sort of floating around in the universe and you're just grabbing one and you're latching onto it for a second. But once you acknowledge that we all do that, you can simply let that thought go. Okay, as that's not a productive thought. That's not a useful thought. So it's very important to understand that those thoughts happen. I always like to compare it when I'm telling players about this to meditation. A lot of people, when they start meditating, and by the way, you should probably look into it. Great stuff on YouTube, obviously, to find. But meditating is wonderful because... It actually, well, so many people find it difficult because they can't do it. They sit there and they get angry at themselves for having all these thoughts about the grocery list or their homework or something else. But that's what meditation is. It's understanding that those thoughts will come in and out of your mind and it's okay. And once you give yourself permission to have those thoughts, then meditation becomes easy. Whereas if you punish yourself every time a negative thought or a thought pops in your head, you're going to think you're failing. So keep in mind that negative thoughts are absolutely normal. They happen for all of us. And once you recognize that, you can just say, oh, there's one of those negative thoughts. Man, that's not helping me today. That's not productive. Here's a thought that's productive. You can actually take ownership of the negativity and sort of channel it and direct it out of your mind. Okay? And it it still will happen. It'll happen over and over again. But as long as you know it's normal, then you probably won't beat yourself up every time it happens. So keep that in mind. Uh unoriginal, unproductive thoughts, who needs them, harness them though, embrace them, and let them go. Um, okay, uh, meditation, own, okay, own them, forg- yeah, so basically you want to own those negative thoughts and forgive yourself, and then you can let it go for having it, right, because that, uh, that's going to be natural. Uh, dwelling, uh, dwelling on these negative thoughts is the enemy of uh, forgiveness, right? So if you keep thinking about the negative thought or the bad thing that just happened, then that means you're not forgiving yourself. And ultimately, if you don't forgive yourself, then that's when you don't have confidence in yourself, right? So, you know, letting, understanding that the mistake is done, who cares, right? Go on to the next point. That's confidence. But in between that, like the, that, we'll say that player is confident, but what's really happening is that player is forgiving themselves. That player is letting them off themselves off the hook. They're not dwelling on it. So don't forget that dwelling is not a good place to be. Um, so let's uh, recap some of the confidence things we talked about in this. And I got a couple stories to close it out. Um, so, uh, so one of the, one of the things we talked about is, uh, you got to fail, you got to accomplish things and you have to fail things and you need to remember that you had the bravery to do them, especially if they were hard, right? Doing hard things is a great way to build up your confidence because even if you fail, right? Let's suppose you want to take an ice bath, okay? And it's colder than you want to do or ice shower, cold shower, and you don't want to do it. Even if you get out of there after two seconds, right? You still did it 
and it makes it easier the next time, right? The more you do something, the more perspective you have and um, the more you can remind yourself of those accomplishments later on, the easier things get down the road. Uh, two, uh, confidence is on a continuum. Remember I said that there's like a wall in our culture. Our, our belief system is sort of set up where, um, you know, things are opposites versus on the same line. So think of confidence. It, you're somewhere on that line of confidence. You're not behind a wall of confidence, if that makes sense. Um, three, uh, valuing failure as growth. Again, we talk about failure all the time uh, and how we learn from failures and mistakes, but none of us want to fail. So just understand that val- uh, failing uh, or, uh, yeah, failing at something or doing poorly is still growing, right? Things that uh, you don't do well at still have tremendous benefits, and that'll that'll change your mindset every time you mess up at something. It's good for you, okay? Um, perspective and joy. Uh, so like we talked about the child, you know, if you can minimize the value of every little point, every little play, and play a little more free like a child would, you'll increase the joy, increase the freedom, and that's what we see when we see a confident player they're playing free so remember that have perspective uh have a little joy in the moment enjoy what you're doing and that will lead to uh to more confidence on the court um understand the source of criticism when we talked about parents and coaches very important for you as a player to understand where that's coming from coming from a good place uh might not be done right but it's coming from a good place um preparation and extras uh, I keep saying, going back to this one, I think that it's a huge one. The more work you do, the more confident you will be, bottom line. And you'll have that idea in your head that you're prepared. The more, every time in life, I think every adult listening to this can relate. Every time in life where we were stressed out about something, we if we're honest with ourselves, and players, you can do this too. If you're honest with yourself, what's really causing the insecurity and the stress is a lack of preparation. And every time you felt really great about something, it's because you prepared so much right planned prepared so just do that and those extra things um owning and expecting negative thoughts we talked about that just a couple seconds ago the idea that you you have to embrace the idea that we are humans and we are negative thinkers by evolutionary terms right it's literally a protective thing we do to ourselves right we have to think negatively we have to expect the worst worst because that's what kept us alive in nature you know, thousands and millions of years ago in the wilderness, right? Expecting the worst kept us safe. But that brain is still with us, and we're still doing that. So recognize that that's normal. Own those thoughts. Classify them as productive or unproductive, and let the unproductive one go before you move on to the next set, next point, whatever. Um, We talked about dwelling is the enemy of forgiveness and confidence. Again, very much connected to that negative thought thing. If you sit around beating yourself up after every mistake, then you're only guaranteeing that you're going to have more failures, right? So don't dwell, move on, and uh, you'll see that your forgiveness of yourself over mistakes will help develop confidence. Okay, so I have uh, two stories to close uh, just from my playing career and uh, coaching career. Um, So uh, the goal, so we talked about situational confidence, right? So here's a great example of situational confidence. So I was in my first year university and I was very young. So at that time, most people were 19 in their first year and, uh, and I was uh, 17. So this is back in the day when we had like 13, grade 13 and 
people went to school much older, so I was young because I was a bit of a genius. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I, I went there uh, to university, and I remember we were playing a game against a really hard spin-serving uh, player, and I was uh, the left side, and uh, so I had to pass a lot. And uh, so this guy went back and hammered a spin serve really hard, and I'd never seen a serve that hard in my life because I was like 17. This guy was probably like 22. And um, I shanked it. And I remember it was such a bad shank. And my captain, who was 22 years old, you know, five years older than me, he looked at me, he was our setter, and he's like, come on, Zuby, you got to pass that up, you know? And I'm like, I know, right? Like, I don't need that. <laughs> you ever have people tell you that you need to pass? And you're like, I know I need to pass. But that just made me more scared of the next serve. And the next serve, and I got like aced three or four times in a row before I got subbed out or we took a timeout. And I was just like, don't serve me, don't serve me, don't serve me. That was my mentality at that time as a 17-year-old kid. And it's funny now because as, you know, in my mid-20s and as I went to play overseas and my my mindset changed. I didn't consciously do it, but it happened through reps. It happened through enough failure, right, that I was able to now, when I shanked a ball, my immediate thought was just serve it to me again. And what happened was it wasn't that I went to counseling. It wasn't that I listened to a podcast. It was that I did it enough times that each time, <laughs> it's funny, I shanked so many balls that uh, the um, it mattered less to me. Every serve mattered less to me. And that was why I was able to then shift my mindset from uh, don't serve it to me to, oh my God, serve me that ball again. In my head, that's what I would say. You know, in my mid-20s on, early 20s, I was saying, serve me that ball again, rather than don't serve me. A uh, clear-cut example of situational confidence because I got very comfortable in that situation of shanking, no, of passing, and um, wanted the ball more after a mistake. So that's that that's co- combines a few things. But remember what we talked about, about seeing every mistake as a challenge? That's sort of what happened there. But that's situational confidence, right? That means in the volleyball court. doesn't mean that I was like that off the court yet. Uh, if you develop it in all aspects of your life, do you remember what I called it? core confidence, right? Core confidence is that idea that psychologists talk about where you're confident in a lot of different things, almost everything in life. You just have a confident air. How you develop that is by doing a lot of different things. Okay. So taking your confidence, uh, actually going back to that situational confidence to show you, I didn't have core confidence. I could going back to that story where I was shanking. So in my first year of university, because I was young, I was struggling, right? It was practices were tough. School was a tough adjustment, living away from home for the first time. And I remember I was not playing well. In my, I mean, by my stand, I didn't think I was playing well, right? Um, so when I went back home to play, I went back home at Christmas time and I got to practice with my old high school team because I was able, because I left high school a little early. I, they, a lot of them were still at the school team. And when I went back and practiced with them, they were all telling me how much better I was. And it was very funny, and I tell this to young players, you don't notice that you're getting better when you go up to play at a higher level. You think that you're awful. But if you have a chance, I was very lucky because I had this chance to go back and play with my old friends, and they said that I had gotten so much better. And I had no idea that I was getting better. I thought I was getting worse because I was in a, a, a you know, bigger pond, I guess is what you'd call it, right? A more competitive environment. And uh, that sort of speaks, and I played better with my friends. So there's that situational confidence. I was more comfortable with my friends. I was intimidated in letting new faces and the situation get to me. It's the same ball, maybe different serving, <laughs> but but it's the same ball and the same game. And that, you know, by the end of that first year, I remember the moment that I had that first hit in a game 
and I was shocked at how hard I hit it, and it was very relaxed. Uh, and I remember that was like the key turning point because my captain looked at me, that captain that was, you know, sort of yelling at me for shanking the ball, and he was like, oh, my God, and he did like the heavyweight championship belt gesture after I killed it, and then after the tournament, he was like, guys, 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 I don't care, hit of the day, hit of the day was to Zuby. And I was like, wow, you know, and that's when I felt like, you know, I had uh, that, that confidence. But sadly, it was externally, it needed that external validation. Um, you know, ideally, I think what led me to get the hit was probably just the reps, right? Uh, so there's that. And then um, the other thing was like the core confidence. So just to give you an example of how and what that looks like later in life, I remember I was, uh, when I was, I got my teaching degree and um, I had this uh, chance to teach overseas. Like, so I was going to play, I this is eventually what led to me playing overseas, by the way. So I had, um, uh, there was this opportunity to teach at international schools, right? So I had, uh, you know, this, this fair, this recruitment fair, they call it, where you can go there all weekend and apply for different jobs. And all weekend I was interviewing for these different opportunities to teach overseas. And it was just like, you know, the whole weekend I was just like trying to say what they wanted to hear. You know, the interviewers would ask me questions. I was a young, I was like 22 when I was graduating school and I was just, you know, trying to play the game of, you know, dressing up nice and saying what they wanted to hear. And then I, I didn't get, I got one offer at a school that I had no interest in going in. Nobody, nobody really wanted to go to. It was in a rougher, rougher area and it was poor pay and a brand new school, which is never really a secure thing. So it wasn't a very, a very good success. But two weeks after that recruitment fair, there was a school that was coming that couldn't make it uh, to the original recruitment fair. So just this ties into a lot of things. So what I did was I, I really wanted this job. It had good conditions, good pay, and it was in a country that I wanted to go to in South America. So I um, I did my research. I did the preparation. I looked through, I researched the school, and I looked up their philosophy, their goals, and I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it kind of aligns with me. So I felt like I knew the school um, very well going into the interview. I did that preparation. So that helped take the nerves out. And I remember, so this was in a hotel. I was sitting outside a hotel room door waiting to go in. And I remember sitting out there going, you know what? I don't even care if I get this job. Like there'll be other jobs. This is not like I've built this up into my head as like the be all end all, but there'll be other jobs, other opportunities. Right? So I didn't care about that job interview. I consciously told myself, you know what? Stop being nervous. You don't care. It doesn't matter. And I went in there and that, you know, half an hour job interview turned into a two hour conversation of me and this director of the school, who was a great guy, joking around, talking. And sure enough, I got offered that job out of all these candidates. There were hundreds of candidates. But because I was relaxed and I had done some preparation and I minimized the significance of the moment in my head, not even as a trick, I legitimately meant it. And I put it in perspective. I performed much better because I didn't, elevate the moment into an insane level of importance and I think that's what a lot of us are doing you know as young athletes today coaches don't help um, this the system doesn't help social media doesn't help parents sometimes don't help but the moments are so elevated that we are finding it very difficult to perform so if you can be in that crazy world of this matters so much and you're sitting there going no nah, it doesn't matter so much you're going to excel and you're going to perform very well because you're not going to have the fear of failure. You're going to be thinking about having fun and you're going to be thinking about swinging hard and playing relaxed. And if you focus less on the result 
and more on the the journey or the enjoyment, the joy like we talked about, you're going to find your confidence go through the roof because you're going to have better results, okay? So that's that's the simple that's one of the simple truths is that caring less sometimes is a great formula or path to success. Um and uh so listen, if there's one thing that I could sum up uh this whole conversation, I I, I would just say this. Um think about the hardest person you know, uh the hardest working person you know. Think about them, really. Think about someone you know who's working hard or all the time, okay? Are they a confident person? The answer is probably yes, right? Think about a confident person you know. Think about someone that isn't arrogant, isn't mean, but quite confident in a lot of different areas of their lives. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a coach, maybe it's someone at your school, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's someone someone you know in your life, some adult. Are they hardworking? They probably are, right? So, when you get down to it, if we were to sum it all up, the confidence issue, it really is the number one thing that builds up your confidence is hard work. If you work hard at whatever you're doing, whatever you want, you know, if you really want something, the answer is pretty simple. Just work your ass off for it. That's it. There's no magic solution. There's no secret ingredient as Kung Fu Panda would say. Remember that? Um, it's just hard work. And, you know, that's not the answer that people like to hear. They like to hear that they can read it in a book. They like to think they can buy it, buy a program off the internet. But really, if you work your ass off, it's something, if you want it, again, right? If you want it that much, then work for it, and the results will get better. And, and if you think about it, that hard work, it means that you're doing all the things we're talking about anyway. You're minimizing the, the importance of the other things because you're doing this other hard thing. Like maybe it's training in the case of volleyball, right? Maybe the extra training is it. Maybe it's the meditation. But whatever hard things you're doing, you're doing them and you're minimizing the significance of the other things. And you're getting joy and you're distracting the mind, right? And bottom line, you're just developing perspective on what really is hard, right? If your practice sessions and your training sessions are the hardest thing you do, guess what the games become? They become super easy and you become confident. Okay, so those are just a few tips. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Again, we'll be doing these periodically, these uh, player pep talks. So we hope you enjoyed it. I don't know if it ran a little long, but uh, hopefully you gained some insights from it. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Volleyballogy. What's the big idea?